Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. We're here. Evan Lazar just getting out of the locker rooms. Heard from uh, an emotional Bill Belichick. Uh, no, not really, but, um, emotionless, basically mumbling at the podium. I don't think that we got a transcript. I'm not sure exactly what it says. Cause none of us could hear what he was saying up there. Yeah. Uh, we do know that, uh, he did go into the Tampa Bay locker room, uh, to talk to Tom Brady. So a lot of people talking about the, the hug that wasn't as warm and fuzzy as some people might have liked. Uh, Bill does this sometimes, and then he goes in and he has his say. So yeah. he will. But let's get into the game itself. And again, I know everyone's kind of has mixed emotions here. It's that whole sure. moral victory thing mixed with the wow. It really felt like you know, if you're a fan, really felt like you were gonna you know pull this one out, and then just to have it end so abruptly. So. Yes, we can get into Brady's performance. Yes, we can get into Max's performance and, and 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 the team in general trending in a much more positive direction after a horrible uh, effort a week ago against the Saints. But I'm going to start at the end here and and just uh, talk to you about the decision to go for the field goal. Uh, yeah. Which you know, I, it's not a hindsight thing. I thought I, I didn't fathom they would try a field goal of that length. I thought for sure from that distance. Um, that was four down territory without question. And right. Bill, Bill asked about it in the post game said, uh, I didn't even think about it. I, I really, uh, you know, and I, and I, we don't, I don't want to get into all of the win probabilities and I know coaches don't go by all of this stuff, you know, and you see the metrics right. online, 55% versus 51% and a blah, 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 and this and that just, if you factor everything in, it makes more sense. I would think to a kicker who is who has a 
bum plant leg in a in a in tough weather and god he drilled it so folk didn't do anything wrong he drilled it and then tom brady waiting on the other side of it with a minute left on the clock it would seem that you would want to try to get closer without even really hesitating even if you make it you might lose so i i, I don't know just your thoughts on the decision i i was i was stunned that that's what happened and credit to folk he drilled it and just missed it and it was really close and it, it could have been a happy ending it was not but this is in hindsight at the at that time i could not believe it well at the time i definitely was scratching my head a little bit as to why they wouldn't go there and, and try to get into a more favorable field goal range, especially run the clock, you know, Brady a minute left, all these types of things. I definitely do agree with you. We spoke to Nick Folk after the game and his confidence of making that kick was sky high. He said that they made from 58 yards in warmups. He told the coaches that I need to be within that 54 to 56 range and I'm good to go. He thought he hit the ball extremely well. It just didn't go through. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that th this is one of those situations where Belichick is trusting a veteran kicker in Nick Folk, who's been extremely good for the team for the last couple of years and thought that they had enough to make the kick. And the, the hindsight thing is always 2020 because the kick, it wasn't like he didn't have the leg to make the kick. Right. The, the leg was there. The disc, the ball traveled far enough for the kick to go through. It was just a little off. And the one thing I would second guess out of the, out of the decision was the Patriots decided to punt right before the half. That's the other and, one. You stack them so, both up. That one was right. That one, that so one if, was you're, if you're going to beat Tom Brady, it does feel like you have to go for it at least one of those two times, right? It, it, you can't play conservative both times. And I didn't have as much of a problem with the one at the uh, end of the game to kick the field goal, but the one before the half, not only does the math support going for it 110%, it also felt like a little bit too conservative going up against the quarterback I, like that. I think they just didn't want to blow what was a really good half. They a, played a, a really good percent. half on D, so I'll give you yeah. that. I, and and you're, a, you're you're totally right. The thinking was, God, if we serve this up and they march it down our throat, score a touchdown, that's going to take wind out of the sails. I know coaches consider more than just math when they make their decisions. I think they're thinking this would be a really deflating end to a half that we've played tightly. So I want right. to preserve the goodwill and the good vibes because that's what I think the team needs. And I get that. So that's fine. That's one thing. Uh, but it's exactly that it's it, it i'm tired of these things being re referred to as as uh conservative when you don't do them and gutsy when you do it's just smart versus stupid sometimes so the like, field goal at the end the nerds did support kicking the field goal the very one of the only times that the nerds support kicking i have in that seen nerds that, i have seen nerds that disputed the field goal so I have, so I, have, I, have an, I have analytics that say it was 55 51 so the ESPN stats and info numbers. So the ESPN yeah. stats and info numbers. Mike Reese just tweeted them just now. Field goal win probability forty two point two percent. Go for it win probability thirty four point seven percent. So ESPN has a, a clear kick the field goal in the math in that situation. I, the play before it, I think, is more to me what was 
even more of a backbreaker because Jacoby Myers was wide open in the middle of the field. They ran a little rub concept out of a stack. Uh, it worked beautifully. Hunter Henry got, got him open. Wide and open. It, and it got de- batted down at the line of scrimmage. If Jacoby catches that, he's got a 10, 12 yard gain. And, and then the we're really in field goal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I think what really the what it boils down to is something that Devin McCourty just said to us after the game. The Patriots have flashes of being a really good football team they had a great game plan on defense tonight they executed it extremely well they held tom brady to 19 points one of his worst games statistically as a buck was tonight against this patriots defense they had a great plan they executed extremely well i thought the offense looked more in rhythm looked better at times had some two legit touchdown drives incorporating the tight ends throwing the football to Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers on the outside some real building blocks from this team tonight but the winning plays the little things the the mistakes that shoot yourself in the foot the penalty on Matthew Slater the fumble by JJ Taylor these are the plays or the mistakes, I guess you could call them, that winning football teams don't make this often, right? They just don't make them this many times. And this team has become, since really the start of last year, a team that has just two or three fatal errors, errors that just absolutely kill them. J.J. Taylor The Patriots are already in field goal range. They've got great field position. They played the field position game and they did it perfectly. And they get the ball into field goal range and JJ Taylor fumbles on that play. And the whole momentum, the whole energy just sapped right out of the stadium. And I want to give Patriots fans a ton of credit. This was a great crowd tonight. And I felt like the crowd, in fact, really drove this Patriots team to almost pull off this upset because this was not a pro Brady crowd. Right. This is not this was not a let's all cheer Tom for four straight quarters. They were booing Tom at times. And yeah, it was probably a Bronx boo, right? It was probably kind of a fake uh, you know, you're you're the enemy now type of boo. But overall, I really thought that the crowd kept the Patriots afloat in this game energy wise. And it was a great it was so close to being exactly how they pictured it. A low-scoring game, the great defense, great game planning, good coaching, I thought, even on offense. We've come on this show after games and really ripped Josh McDaniels quite a few times on this program. I thought tonight his game planning and his ability to recognize that the run plays were not working and to let Matt Cook in the second half to drop some of those trick plays when they did were very timely calls of those plays. And they were really, really close tonight. But it's just three or four errors just kill you. If I'll quibble with one set of play calls, I'm going to say after the trick play with Jacoby Myers down to the 10, they didn't really try to get it into the end zone. I know Mac forced one in there under pressure, but the next two plays were a little conservative, I think, playing for the field goal. I will also say for what it's worth, next-gen stats, if you go for it, 35%. If you kick the field goal, 24%. Uh, With the make increasing their chances to 45 versus 52 if you converted. Um, So again, there were stats out there that supported strongly also not. So 
it's a jumble, I guess. ESPN has its own next gen it's stats. Right. Next gen stats had it actually very decidedly uh, a better decision to go for it. And again, I think you have to factor in giving the Brady the ball back. But I, both between that and the punt was the other thing. But you're right. The little things are what kill you in this game. You're not a good enough team to have a margin for error. You can't lose turnover battles in these games, which is what they did in in this in this particular situation. It is interesting though, Evan. I mean, you were there. Um, you know, the billing is the Tom Brady return. I, and you, I said this to you during the week, I'm not feeling it. Like I felt like we litigated the Brady thing. It was an exciting game and, and, and the fans showed out and it was, it, it obviously meant a lot to people, but I thought it meant more for the Patriots to win the game than it did to celebrate the return of the King. Um, and I really do think everything about it was fairly muted from the tribute video to uh, you know, a cheer or two. And then it really became, I want the Patriots to win this game. And that's what yeah. the fans were very much about. I don't know what kind of vibe you got there. It definitely looked like Brady was a little caught up in it at times, just the scenery of it all. But it didn't feel like this was the the welcome back Tom game. This felt like this is the we really want to win a big game game. Oh, yeah. this The, the crowd was 110% behind the Patriots the entire time. It felt like early, early on pregame that a lot of the the Brady people came into the stadium early, right? And I'm talking about before kickoff. And there was a lot of Bucks jerseys. There was a lot of those split Brady Bucks jerseys. But as soon as kickoff rolled around and the game actually began, this was 110% a pro Patriots crowd. There was no there was nobody cheering on Brady that loudly once the game actually started. I thought that was really cool of the Patriots fans to drown out those people that were trying to to make this a Brady crowd, right? And this was not a Brady crowd. And I know that people, just to get back to kind of what was going on in the game a little bit, defensively, I know there are going to be people that are going to point out that Mike Evans had, what, a 75 yards, 7 for 75 against J.C. Jackson, and the running game uh, did what it did for the, the Bucks. They averaged, what, over five yards per attempt, or it ended up averaging out to only four yards per attempt, I yeah. guess. But for most of the game, they were well over five yards per attempt as, uh, as a rushing offense. But ultimately, the Patriots went out there in this game, and they said, J.C. Jackson, you have Mike Evans. John Jones, you have Antonio Brown. Jalen Mills, you have Chris Godwin. We're Which is stunning the which is stunning that maybe the least talked about was Mills on Godwin all night because you you saw them throw to Evans and Antonio. Yeah. Godwin got looked at only a couple of times all game. Yeah, so I, I, we can talk about why because that the game plan was Evans and AB against Jones and Jackson. You're two best and cover guys on Godwin, right? Yeah. And the help was to the inside on yeah. Godwin. And yeah. what the Patriots were doing, and and I I understand that a lot of people are going to sit back and say, Evan, they lost the game. Like, what, what? Why are we pumping up Bill Belichick's tires so much? But this was such a really good defensive game plan. And breaking this down in the loss is going to be a lot of fun because this defense was really really impressive tonight. What the Patriots were doing was they're putting four or five guys up on the line of scrimmage and running what's called simulated pressures where they're going to give the illusion 
that they're bringing four or five or they're going to bring an extra guy in the rush, but they're actually going to drop those guys right. off and end up only rushing three or four. And it but, threw Brady. But the offensive line has to block it like it's like everybody's coming, right? So the left tackle steps to his guy, the left guard steps to his guy, and all the way down the line. So what it ends up doing is even though you're not bringing the blitz pressure, you're creating one-on-one matchups on the front anyways. And that's when Christian Barmore and Matt Judon and those guys can win their one-on-ones on the offensive line in the trenches on the defense on this in the secondary the Patriots were taking those rushers that they weren't blitzing and they were dropping them into zones over the middle of the field and they were taking away those in-breaking routes, those Godwin routes, right? The little quick hitters over the middle, the tight end routes, all the things that we know that the Patri- that Tom Brady loves to do, hitting those plays over the middle and they were forcing the football to the perimeter and, and they did that the entire game. They forced Tom Brady to beat them throwing to Mike Evans and throwing the football to a B and even Godwin when he got some of his licks in to the outside and they really took away the middle of the field they executed it absolutely perfectly for four quarters what really felt like the Patriots game plan was aimed at was if anybody is going to beat us in this Bucks offense it's going to be Leonard Fournette it's going to be Leonard Fournette. Sure. And the play that was the backbreaker to me was not any of the runs. Fournette ran for uh, 91 yards on 20 carries. It was the uh, the screen pass at the end of the game where he gained 23 yards. Yard screen. Yeah, yeah, that one was the backbreaker, right? Because you, as long as you cover him in the pass game, whatever he got on the ground, the Patriots were willing to give it up. That was fine. It was even right. less. It was even less than I expected. I thought they were going to yeah. run for one fifty play, two hundred right. yards, and yeah, eating up huge chunks. No, they've, and, done, and, they've done this before. This is yeah. very yeah. And and Judon and Lawrence Guy, they won a lot of one-on-one matchups on the inside to make sure that Fournette didn't go absolutely off in the running game, and they were able to at least put a cap on it a little bit. And it, it really worked out extremely well. And the whole game plan was executed perfectly. So the positives that I come away from this game, first of all, and we can talk about him, I'm sure, here in a second. But first and foremost, Mac jo- the moment was not too big for Mac Jones. Mac Jones looked calm. He looked poised. He looked cool and collective. This is probably his best game on tape. We have to go back and watch it. But it felt like one of his best games. It, it was right up there with the, the week one against Miami where it – it went about as good as you could possibly expect for a rookie quarterback. And the second thing that I really came away positive, positive takeaway from this game was it felt like the coaching staff coached a very good game tonight on both sides of the football. Some of the runs by McDaniel, some of the draw plays early were, were eh, the fourth down decisions were, eh, but I think they, I think they wanted to see if they could, if there was anything to be had there, but they diagnosed yeah. it pretty quickly that there yeah. wasn't on the right. ground. Right, yeah. and they and they turned it over to Mac. They did. They did. They coached the game about as well as they possibly could have. In this one, I really felt that way, and I thought that they played damn near perfectly as well if it wasn't for some of the blown uh, mistakes that they did have in this game brandon bolden blows a bit a blitz pickup early and mac jones throws that interception then jj taylor fumbles then matthew slater gets called for a penalty and those three or four mistakes against a guy like tom brady is what adds up to the team losing the football game yeah yeah and 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 no doubt so as far as the mac jones stuff is concerned again uh you know it did feel like they put it in his hands a lot more. It did feel like he was making, um, you know, 
there's a, certainly he took a few sacks, probably sometimes where he might have held it a little bit too long. Uh, but on the whole, it's really hard to watch this game and not be pleased with what you saw uh, from Mac. I, I'll say the only thing is I, the only area of concern for me. Well, one, the biggest one is he's he's hit on basically every play. It's just not this isn't sustainable. So I, I don't know if Trent Brown solves every problem, but I mean, we had massive issues. I know on when left for a little bit, I wasn't sure whether he got benched. It turned out he got dinged up a little bit. He went in the tent. Uh, Karras came in he had a couple before that. I went had a couple of bad penalties, but the line again, held up enough, but still not what you're looking for uh, in terms of the, the time that Max going to need, or else he's just going to get murdered. The second is when he is trying to press the ball downfield, particularly those throws out to the, to the, to the sidelines, there's a couple that got floated out there that make you a little bit nervous. So it's a, you know, I, I, I am still a, a little bit dubious about his ability to drill the ball downfield when he needs to. Yeah, I think maybe to the outside there's some concern there. I'm not concerned about him drilling the ball. You had the Aguilar one. I mean, I know Aguilar yeah. could have come back to the ball, but that hung yeah. up there for like for like five seconds. It felt yeah, like I mean, maybe the far hash throw to the perimeter all the way out to the boundary is something that you are a little bit wary of with Mac Jones. But in terms of driving the football through the middle of the field, through the middle, he, for sure. he's pretty good there. And what I come back to with him tonight was a couple of different instances where he sensed the rush coming and was able to move off his spot a little bit and buy some time for himself in the pocket and make some throws down the field. And you, you see all these things happen and uh, you just look at the overall poise that, that he brought to the table tonight. This is a really difficult spot for a rookie quarterback. You have the 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 king returning right you have the the goat coming back you have his first game back in foxborough all the talk is about tom brady and you have a rookie quarterback going into this game against the defending super bowl champions and his fourth career start and he played pretty darn well for what it was the first throw inter the interception it was not a good decision. It's not a throw that he should have made. He threw the ball to a covered seam route. It wasn't his best decision. It probably one that he would definitely want to have back. It, it sort of ended up working out as like a 23 yard punt. Obviously you would think that Jake Bailey would flip the field a little bit better than 23 yards, but ultimately it was a third down interception. So it was a 23 yard punt essentially. But what you, you look at with the offensive line is that there's still breakdowns in schemed, communication type errors right where okay you have uh Devin White coming on a blitz a couple of times up just right through the a gap right through the middle of the offensive line and there's nobody there to pick it up whether it's a running back and blitz pickup whether it's the center peeling off and picking him up or a guard peeling off and picking him up there's just nobody there to pick up that blitz and Joe Tyrone delivered a just a huge sack on Mac Jones in the second half on a stunt. So you have Vita Vea penetrate, you have Tyrone wrap around, and here comes the pressure. And these little scheme things like, like stunts, twists, blitzes, those types of things are really giving this offensive line all sorts of problems. It's not the one-on-one -on -one stuff, right? When they actually get hat on a hat, they're holding up decently well. But what their problem is right now is that they're not seeing the game through one lens. 
So you know, there's stunts happening and guys aren't passing them off. There's blitzes coming and guys aren't picking them up because you're not seeing the picture through the same lens. And that's something the Patriots really harp on with their offensive line. And you're just not seeing that. But every single time Mac Jones has a little bit of time in the pocket or he's able to buy himself a little bit of time, he gets away from Devin White on a play and hits Damian Harris for that uh, catch and run for 20 plus yards. Early on in the game, he sidesteps a blitz, keeps his eyes down the field. He did a the coverage great hits job. Kendrick Bourne. He did a great job getting out of the pocket fast, recognizing yeah. where the pressure was coming from. It's not his forte to get on the move and to and to roll out, but he recognized a lot of times. I got a roll. It's coming right up the middle here. And he just did it. And the, the fact that he would make that decision quickly is what allowed him to make as many plays as he made. He did that quite a few yeah. times. Yeah. That was he, very impressive. That that was the most impressive part about this game was his ability to move around the pocket and, and get the, get his legs, uh, get himself into a better position to throw and recognizing where the pressure was coming from right and away. being able to, yeah. to get rid of the football in a positive manner. He statistically, across the board, and I tweeted this out with the advanced metrics right after uh, the final whistle, statistically speaking, Mac Jones outplayed Tom Brady in this game. He didn't outplay him on the scoreboard, didn't win the game, but statistically across the board, whether you want to go advanced metrics like EPA or completion percentage over expected, or if you want to go with the regular metrics like passer rating and completion percentage and yards per attempt, Mac Jones was the better quarterback on the field tonight between Tom Brady and Mac Jones. Now Mac obviously was going up against a different defense than Tom Brady, not exactly the same uh, defensive secondary that Tom had to face, but overall Mac Jones outplayed him. And that is a really good thing to come away with. Anytime your quarterback outplays Tom Brady, that's a positive, he right? You got to take that. He definitely did. And yeah. we're not going to argue that the Patriots have better weapons than the uh, than than the sure. Bucks do. And we're not going to argue that Mac Jones was protected. So he did it under, under more difficult circumstances as well. And I'm not one to throw around hyperbole and that sort of stuff. Like he flat out was better. Um, and he could have, should have, you know, been able to pull out that game which would have been uh amazing so yeah i mean you're definitely gonna feel good what i what i love is i love listening to you see the post-game commentary filter out like yeah there's a lot of hyperbole and people say stuff and there's cliches i really do get the sense in that room uh they have total faith in him right now as as their guy and their leader to the point that i actually feel like i was listening to david andrews post game he's it sounds like they think they're letting him down, you know, yeah. like, uh, and, and that's kind of says a lot. These are guys who've played with the greatest of all time, who've won Super Bowls. And they're like, we got to be better for him. He's doing great. This kid's tough as nails. He's hanging in there. Yeah. He's doing everything he needs to do. We got to be better, uh, which is, you know, again, you're looking for encouraging signs. The team is one and three. I do think they buy it i don't think they're looking around like oh we got this guy starting now no devin McCourty put it after the game the best part about mac jones to him as a defensive player is that he's not worried about mac jones right he knows right. that mac jones is doing everything that he's got to do he's coming in preparing every day he's working his butt off in practice he's working his butt off in the film room he's work getting in his game plan and getting in the install and he's going through all of these things properly and getting himself ready for these games. And Devin McCourty said the guys on defense 
Don't even think about the fact like, oh, we got this rookie quarterback that we're rolling out here and we're going to lose the game because we got Mac going against Brady. They go into this game tonight and they played this way. They went into the game thinking that they had a real chance to win and their quarterback was going to give them a real chance to win. And let's not forget that now in two of these four games, that they've lost or two of these three games that they've lost Mac Jones has put the team in a position to win the football game. The Patriots were in a position to win the game against Miami yeah. and they were in a position to win the game tonight against Tampa Bay. So he has brought them into all these situations and he has been able to put them in a position to win and other guys, 110% correct. Other guys have let him down. Now I can't get on Nick Folk too much for missing a 56 yard field goal, right? In the rain and the conditions that they were it was in. It's a great kick. It's a tough kick. But overall, whether you want to place that on Nick Folk, if you want to place that on Bill Belichick for not going for it on the fourth down, fourth and three, wherever you want to play that blame game, the blame is not on Mac Jones, right? Mac Jones puts him in a position to win. And in fact, that's my, at the end of the day, you you have your metrics and and the analytics and what they say to do in each of these situations. Sometimes it comes down to whose hands or foot do you want the the ball in. And at that point, I don't know why you wouldn't feel confident putting the game in the hands of Mac Jones to get you a few more yards. That's another, that's another simpler way to look at whether or not you go for it or not. Um, I I had, I I, I would think they would have, but I had faith that Mac's going to pick this one up. I mean, they had, as you said, they had something wide open the play before, you know, it was maybe it will. So, the one thing I will say is that when you go into these games, every play caller has four or five great, what they would, most people would call in that situation. It's a two point play, right? It's going from the two yard line. You need two yards. You need to get it in. And most OCs have three or four good calls that they really trust. The Patriots called one on uh, to Brandon Bolden. They got him on a pick route in the flat on the drive uh, before that, I believe it was, uh, or maybe it was a touchdown drive to, that they ended with a John o. Smith TD. They ran the pick uh, kind of rub concept for Jacoby Myers on the third down play. So I think that one of the one things that you might look at is did they feel like they had a great fourth and three play call, right? Did they feel like they had something really, really good to call in fourth and three in the game? And maybe they felt like their odds of executing that play were, were lower odds of making that kick. Yeah. I, and I guess that's what the thinking comes down to. Uh, but again, you know, not to relitigate it all over again, even if folk makes the kick, you don't necessarily win. And that has to factor in your decision-making as well. Not only how difficult the kick is, but, you know, if he misses, you lose. And if he makes it, you still might lose. And both of those things are true. Less so if you do go for it. So, again, uh, we'll we'll talk about that. It seems relatively split. Um, and, again, it's not a no-brainer decision. I just think between that and the punt, those are two opportunities where the Patriots could have yeah. probably gotten more aggressive. Um, the punt, like I said, pisses me off. You tweeted 7-6 is pretty good at the half, and I wanted to come over the top and say 14-3 would be better because it would be better. Uh, and that they had that. that when, was- when you keep yourself in the game against Tom Brady, it's it's all when you're when you have a puncher's chance to I like that, I'm always gonna take it. And what I was worried about it with this game was that there was a chance that the Bucks were just going to come out and and just out athlete the the Patriots all over the field right and just overwhelm them and that didn't happen in the first half and I I would say 
that was the biggest thing. And look, I when I look at the, this team, and I, I said this once already, and I'll say it again. Everybody wants to talk about all these uh, big these big issues with position groups, the offensive line, uh, the, the, the backfield, the running backs, I think are, are right now a huge storyline that we should be talking about uh, along with James White's injury right now. Brandon Bolden's basically in a zero. He's blown. If he's in the game and he's blowing blitz pickup assignments, then what good is he? Cause he's not catching the football out of the backfield. JJ Taylor fumbles or Mondre Stevenson fumbles Damian Harris. They can't get him going. Cause everybody keys on the run when he's in the game. So it, their backfield's a little bit of an issue right now. Their offensive line has been an issue all year long, but you look at those three or four plays and I keep coming back to this of just winning football plays, right? It is little things that happen throughout the course of the game that good teams don't make these types of errors or good teams don't make these types of penalties and these types of fumbles. And you're in scoring range and JJ Taylor fumbles. Uh, you almost have a huge game changing turnover on special teams and Matt later gets called for it. Not coming back into the, the play. You know, your your boy, your boy Slater. Yeah, that was, uh, that was not great. And you continue to make these little errors and you continue to shoot yourself in the foot. And, and they get down there, for example, in the fourth quarter, they kick that field goal, right, where they get down there. McNeely throws the pick on second down. So what does McDaniels come back with? A screen to Brandon Bolden because he's too afraid to let Mac put the ball up in the air after he threw the game away on the play before. And you, cho- you get yourself choked out there. So these little things add. Right. And this is what this Patriots team has talked about all week long when we've talked to them down here this week was we are a good football team on paper and we have flashes of being that good football team. But you continue to just shoot yourself in the foot. And when you continue to make those mistakes, it just comes back games like these and it really haunts you. And I, I thought that J.J. Taylor fumble was one of those plays that really sticks out in this game. Yeah. You, you all you you had them you had the foot on the throat, right? You really had an opportunity to put this game in uh, your hands and, and he fumbles there and that kind of the whole thing sort of brings it down. No, it's terrible. And uh, they are uh, Brandon Bolden, I get, you know, I, 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 this is not sustainable Brandon Bolden cannot be the passing down back on a on a good offense going right. forward so that Bill's got to pull the rip off the band-aid and p- put Stevenson back in there and say all right I'm going to use you now even though I don't fully trust you because you're going to need some you're going to need more talent and more playmakers out there um now that you're down James White and you're r- stuck with Bolden as you're passing down back. And I don't think you can trust Taylor either. He's more of a gimmicky sort of whatever. He's not going to be your regular passing down back. I think Stevenson on this roster is the only one who could possibly come in and make an impact. Uh, the other thing, it might've been you or somebody else kicking around on Twitter. You might pick up the phone and, uh, and, and call the Texans and say, what are you doing with Rex Burkhead nowadays? Right. You know? uh, or someone like that uh, who fits your role. Cause that honestly, exactly what you need at this moment is Rex Burkhead. So I keep coming back to the same thing with this. If you're 
not going to get anything out of Brandon Bolden like you have in the passing game so far. He had the one screenplay that was yeah. really just a good design and a good call by Josh McDaniels more than it was anything particularly great that uh, that Brandon Bolden did on that play. If you want to – getting your five best guys on the field should be the most important thing to the offensive coordinator right now. And your five best guys are three wide receivers and two tight ends. And Johnny Smith is the type of player that can play out of the backfield. The so backfield, what, yeah. what are we doing? Let's run the O2 personnel. I keep on saying the same thing all week long. Get that package on the field. I want Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, and Johnny Smith – all five guys on the field together. That is your five best pass catchers. That's your five most dynamic players in the offense. Let's get those guys out on the field together. Now, maybe that's a package that Johnny Smith's got to learn some of the assignments and stuff like that. But overall, that's the type of package that I want to see moving forward because you're not going to get anything out of Brandon Bolden. J.J. Taylor is not the answer. They're not going to go to Ramondre Stevenson. He's he's in the doghouse, and I don't know when he's going to come out. So if they're not going to go to Ramondre, Andre, then getting into that 0-2 personnel and getting Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry with those three wide receivers on the field together, that is the package. They, That's the they one have they got done it, but not a lot. They've they've done it a couple of times this year. I haven't the seen O2. the O2 person. I haven't seen the O2 personnel package yet. I've seen John not- out the back, backfield a few times, but those five guys together with no back in the game is not something that I I have seen them do yet. And. I, that's that's the play, right? You have this guy in Johnny Smith who's this versatile player that can be able to go out there and play in the backfield. He played 19 snaps in the backfield last year with Tennessee. So let's see that package in passing situations because that's – I went back and looked at it, and I know nobody wants to talk about this guy here anymore. But in the 2011 season, the Patriots started to play Aaron Hernandez out of the backfield. In those two playoff games, the divisional round and the championship game, he played over 20 snaps at running back in both of those games. Yeah. That, it, this, isn't not, this isn't something that they haven't done before, right? So that's something that they can go ahead and do, I think, moving forward. Um, your overall thought on the rest of the weapons again, you know, John who gets a, t- a touchdown, you know, get a couple of plays there. Um, you know, Henry out snapped him uh, tonight. Uh, he was a little bit more involved in the uh, passing offense. They got Aguilar involved a little bit, still not everything you want to see out of him. They had those crossers working with Bourne, particularly with Sherman in coverage there. I felt like they could have gone to that even more than they did. Um, I I think they could have had that whenever they wanted to. And then Jacoby was Mr. Automatic. But again, you're trying to work these new weapons in. Um, This felt like a little bit of a step. And you got Nikhil back. He got his feet wet. He was out there a little bit. But this felt like a little bit of a step in the right direction. Kendrick Bourne's been great. Last yeah. two weeks, Kendrick Bourne's been really good. He had the touchdown catch against the Saints where he goes above the rim and, and posterizes a guy. Came back tonight. Those dig routes were just money when they went to him, right? The ones that you're talking about against yeah. Sherman in particular. Just looking off the coverage, looking left, knowing he's coming back right and going to bang the dig route over the middle. And just like clockwork, Kendrick Bourne getting open at the top of the route and making himself available to the quarterback. He's been really, really good. Jacoby Myers absolutely dusted Richard Sherman on that uh, back shoulder fade that he had high point fade at the line of scrimmage great release I mentioned that the third down play right before they kicked the field goal at the end of the game Myers wide open in the middle of the field the ball just gets batted down at the line of scrimmage so those two guys 
plus finally getting Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith a little bit involved in the passing game. I really thought that the touchdown to Hunter Henry in particular was a really nice route by Hunter Henry. The linebacker dropped off over the middle into a short zone. Instead of trying to go underneath the linebacker and cross face and getting himself jammed up, he sneaks behind the linebacker, gets himself open, makes a guy a shakes off a tackler and falls into the end zone. Really nice play by Hunter Henry. Johnny Smith got involved a little bit. They ran that follow concept where they ran somebody off into the flat and then he follows right behind him and they were able to get him the football for an easy 12 yards. Those types of plays for Johnny. They need to keep going back to those types of things, right? A little swing passes in the flats and things like that where you clear out the sideline for him to catch and run with the football. Less of the traditional tight end stuff, but just get the football in his hands and let him get downhill and run it. Those are the things that I really thought were good about this game tonight. Letting Matt Cook was great. Letting him go out there and run the offense with some tempo from some spread formations and really get the offense into some rhythm in the passing game. thought that existed. Look, this offensive line, right now is probably the number one thing holding back this offense from being a really good offense. They can't run the football. I didn't expect them to run the football against this front. But the fact Nobody that you expected them to run for negative yards. Though. Yeah, the fact that you got eight carries for negative one yards and what was Harris, uh, four for negative four for Damian Harris, got to have something more than that. And Bill Belichick said it after the game that they really haven't been able to get that running game going all year long. Right, It's not just this game. They haven't really had a good running game. Harris had a good week one until he fumbled against Miami. But overall, on the whole, that running game has not been what it needs to be right now. Is it all just Trent Brown? Well, I certainly hope not because I keep on getting told, and I, I reported this uh, late last uh, or uh, Saturday night, and I said that Trent Brown is practicing. He's making positive strides in practice. I think he's getting closer to a return. I thought he had a chance to play last week. Or I was told he had a chance to play this week. And we get to inactive and he's inactive, right? And whatever's going on with Trent Brown is not – it doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right, whether that injury is more serious than they initially led, or not, led on or not. At this point, he could have just been on injured reserve for the last three weeks, and, and then you save the roster spot, right? So he's taking up a roster spot on the team right now, and he's not getting out there and playing, and he's a big, big loss. Now, is it just him? No, it's not just him, uh, but he's a huge loss, and not having that right side is Shaq Mason and Trent Brown. Coming into the year in training camp, they ran, they gashed the Giants and the Eagles on the ground in those joint practices, yeah. running behind Mason and Brown. That those that tandem on the right side was just bulldozing people in training camp. And now they go out there and they don't have that. So they don't have their strength in the run game to run behind anymore right now. And that that's really hurting them as well offensively. The pass protection, I thought at times, was better tonight. Look, Tyrone and Shaq Barrett are really, really good players, guys. So is Vita Vey and Ndamuk and Sue. Uh, those four guys up front for Tampa Bay are legit. Even without JPP, that's a really good group. I they I thought that they held in there a little bit better than what we had seen, uh, but still too many mental errors with blitz pickups and stunts and things like that for my liking. So the offensive line is problem number one on this offense. It's not Mac Jones. It's not the receivers. I thought last week that Mac could have done some things to help out the O-line a little bit better. And then 
this week much better at moving around in the pocket, much better at finding his outlets and getting the football out a little bit quicker. So seemed to fix some of those things and work on some of those things. So kudos to him for that. But the O-line number one issue continues to be that's holding this offense back from being tonight when they protected, they go right down the field right? They go right down the field and you see Mac throwing from clean pockets and he's really, really accurate and he's getting the ball out and the thing looks like a legitimate offense. I put a play out there uh, to Kendrick Bourne where they p- actually pick up a blitz, right? They blitz from the slot. Tampa does. Damian Harris actually stands up the blitzer and picks it up. And what do you know? They hit a 17 yard pass, right? You know, when you protect them, when you keep them clean, they've been really, really solid in the passing game, but it just doesn't happen often enough. So number one issue on the team right now is the offensive line. No doubt about it. Can't run the football, can't protect the quarterback well enough, can't win games like that. Yeah, And as you said, we, we, we checked off a couple things. Uh, the trickle down effect of the offensive line obviously affects max ability to, you know, to, to, to be able to get the ball downfield. It hurts the running game. Game, which it did tonight but the other concerns with the team one of them revolved around coaching we feel like that box was checked tonight this was a better overall coached game and i think the secondary played uh, a really good game uh as well and so those were two other things that we've kind of beat on a little bit this year you do want to see again you want to see more from the weapons. You want to see them get more aggressive. You want to see them push the ball downfield. You want to see games where they're not looking to win it by scoring only 20, you know, right. and that's kind of where they are. And that's what it tonight would have been. It would have been a, a win by scoring 20 points. And this is where situation you were in with Miami. It's just not enough points. You leave yourself a very small margin for error. So the hope is, I don't know. I don't know if the offensive line fixes itself. And if it doesn't, it could be a bit of a slog this year. And you might never see the full potential of, uh, of you know, any of the weapons or what Matt can truly do. So it, it's a big issue. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how it, like I said, Brown is obviously a big deal. But beyond that, I, I don't the know. Problem, the problem that I'm seeing because we were harboring a ton on Trent Brown and I get it. He's a big, a big time player and a big time spot in this offense. And he's a key to this offensive line, but guys like David Andrews and Isaiah win right now are underachieving. They're, they're not, they're they're not playing up to their potential and there's no excuse to me for a guy like Andrews and and he's a captain and he's been a great pro, but it's, it's, it's there's no reason to me for a guy that's playing in between Mike Onwenu and Shaq Mason for David Andrews to be playing poorly because Trent Brown isn't there. And there's no reason to me on the other side for Isaiah Wynn to be playing poorly because the tackle four guys from him is not there. So those two guys individually in a vacuum are not playing well enough for what a, the Patriots have invested in them for and all these types of things those two guys need to rise up and they need to play better. And maybe the one second guess that I am starting to have about the entire off season was throwing money at these receivers instead of throwing money at Joe Tooney. And that I think is going to really come back and haunt Bill Belichick because he's the type of guy that typically does not get caught up in the weapons stuff. Right. He typically doesn't get caught up and, oh, we need receivers and we need tight ends and we need to use premium assets on those types of positions. He usually doesn't play that game. And this time he paid a receiver and and a guy like Aguilar, for example, and a contract that the Patriots never hand out. 
and he handed that contract to Nelson Aguilar, who's who's been okay. You know, he, he's had some moments. I'm not trying to trash on Nelson Aguilar, but you pay that contract to him instead of giving that money to Tooney. And we in the past have gotten on Bill hard for making that move, for paying the guard instead of going out there and getting an actual receiver. But the guard right now is the player that they need a lot more in this offense than Nelson Aguilar, right? If they had Joe Tooney, well, that's because Nelson Aguilar is not playing, uh, is not is not a difference maker at this point. If Nelson Aguilar right. was 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 well, Nelson Aguilar player. is not a difference maker because he's trying to get up the field, and Perhaps. they can't protect, they can't protect long enough from to get up the field. So if they were, if they just. I, I'm not trying to get into second guess land too much, but it feels to me like Joe Tooney is the one move that you say, uh, you know, Belichick in the past definitely pays the guard because he understands he's going to have a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones who wins from the pocket and having Tooney Andrews Mason as his core in the, in the interior three to keep Mac clean in on his, you know, right up his, up the middle at his face. That's going to be more important to making this offense go than having a field stretcher. And they, they just they missed on that one, maybe because they thought that Mike on when it was just going to slide over and it would be no problem. But well, the shuffling has really confused them up, uh, kind of put them in a rut, I think. Well, you took a couple of risks here. Um, you trade, you know, I, I don't know what they were thinking with Marcus Cannon having missed a year and whether they j- just didn't think he'd be worth bringing back as a player, period. But you get rid of Marcus Cannon, you make a trade for Trent Brown, Trent Brown every moment outside of new England, Trent Brown's had one good year in the last, however many, and it was with the Patriots. And he's had these issues. He's had motivation issues. He had injury issues. He's been really frustrated. That calf thing popped up last year for him. He's had problems and you bring him in here and he's kind of an unknown and you, you bank a lot on his success. uh, And that was also a little bit risky. And again, you're throwing a lot of money at a lot of places you weren't really well taken care of uh, in an area that's very unlike them to neglect uh, in this way. So they're they're paying for it right now. And even the teeniest bit of slippage from someone like Wynn or Andrews or Onwenu, which it seems like we're seeing across the board right now, has turned what we thought was a top five offensive line unit into a bottom 10. Uh, and it's it's that's a problem. Yeah, you definitely got to look at some of the coaching too, and I I, I don't want to. He's coming. I don't want to get too hard on Scar's Carmen Brasillo. coming. I don't want to get too hard on Carmen Brasillo, and I, I think what's important looking at this team and something that I, I honestly learned myself tonight about this team and about this situation is as much as look, I I had a whole take going into this game about this was a really prove it to me game for Josh McDaniels. I've been on Josh McDaniels for the first three games of the year. I think his play calling is suspect. I think his designs are sometimes suspect tonight. He drew drew up a really good game plan. I thought that he put the guys in the best position to succeed. So he gets, he gets a a week off from me bashing him. Right. You know, he, he passes that test there, but looking at the offensive line, when you talk about, scheme pressure you talk about blitzes not being picked up and stunts not being passed off and these communication breakdowns or these mental breakdowns by this unit 
at some point in time, you have to look at the coaching, right, and start asking questions about why Why are some of these guys regressing? Why is Isaiah Wynn suddenly regressing? Why is David Andrews suddenly regressing? Why aren't they suddenly not picking up these things that they used to pick up? And maybe some of that's on the rookie quarterback, but I have a tough time putting it on Max. So at some point, you have to start looking at some of these other things, right? And maybe that has something to do with what's going on as well. And Cole Popovich opting out of the season two days before training camp might have been another thing that we didn't talk about enough. Yeah, no, and 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 and, and again, we'll we'll see if this kind of writes the ship as we go along. But you know, I guess in summation, uh, you know, you guys were all here. I don't know if the vibes are positive or negative. I'm trying to follow along on the chat here. It seems angry, but it also could be that. People I get it, bit, but I, I think what I was it also could be one o'clock and uh and it is one it is late saucing a little bit and they're just a little ornery right now. I I I it's more positive than negative. The the loss still pisses me off because I, I I do think they I it, we've been over it already. I just think this was they they, they should have won. Uh they should have won the game, they should have whether it was the coaching or a couple of execution things, they played the right game. Um, but you can't not feel better about this team today than you did a week ago. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Practice. And I think what it really taught me was because I was going to, if they put up a dud on offense this week, I was ready to come out toward a force at Josh McDaniels. And I think what you learned tonight or I learned tonight was this is, we're still only four games into this thing. And as frustrating as it is to watch the Patriots keep losing games and the one and three record and the seven and nine record last year. So they're now what eight and 12 in their last 20 games. Right. And that that's not what we're used to seeing. And that's frustrating and nobody likes that, but you have to realize that this, is a work in progress everywhere on this team. They got a bunch of new guys on defense. They got a bunch of new guys on offense. They got a rookie quarterback They're right now to me. They are not, they need to find out how to win, right? The coach knows how to win certain players on their defense, know how to win. Devin McCourty knows how to win, right? David Andrews knows how to win, but they don't have Brady anymore. So they don't have the quarterback that that is leading the charge in that department necessarily not that mac is is a problem but you understand what i'm getting at and they they need to learn how to close out these games right they could they could have closed out miami they could have closed out uh tonight against tampa bay last year they went through all these problems too with cam newton right seattle and buffalo and go right on down the line of all those games that they won score games that they easily could have won at the end of the game if things just went a little bit differently yeah. So you look at all these things and, and this team still is just trying to figure out how to win these football yeah. games. They're close, but they're not there yet. On a, and on a you know broader level, just what this game meant with Tom Brady coming in here. Um, I, I, we are lucky right now that Brady didn't come in here and drop 50 points on the Patriots because I, I don't even know what the commentary would have been like. Uh, people would have been calling for beheadings uh, and it just bemoaning every single yeah. uh, offseason signing and everything. So I, one of the realistic scenarios was Tampa came in and just absolutely oh, yeah. steamrolled them. And well, that's why I tweeted what I tweeted at halftime because that didn't happen, right? It they did didn't, not happen. They didn't get steamrolled. And that Tom was Brady like did not a victory. Throw it. 
Tom Brady did not throw a touchdown. You know, it's so like it's it, it was a big it was a big deal uh, for them to not get lit up here because you know Brady wanted to come in here and and drop five you know drop four or five touchdown passes on him uh, and 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 run this thing up. I I I, I know that he did. And Bill Belichick desperately needed that not to happen because right. the heat's the heat's been turned up a ton on him. So at the hey, very even least- at the end of the game, Brady targeting Antonio Brown in the end zone twice in a row. Yeah, he was already in field goal range, but, but you it was know a what, long field goal. And, and yeah. you know what Brady was doing? He was trying to win the game by throwing a touchdown. Like yeah. there was no that was clear as day when why Brady was throwing bombs with a minute to go the, the old Brady and look he won the game so it didn't really end up matter Brady gets a first down whittles the clock down gets another oh, yeah. one kicks a field goal with 20 with seven Three, seconds left. right a hundred percent yeah 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 so, uh anyway we're glad this one's done we can focus now on you know hopefully continued improvement Houston's good for what ails you then it's the Cowboys then it's the Jets so a couple winnable games coming up here on the slate so we'll obviously uh you know uh you know keep bringing the coverage to you make sure you uh subscribe to our YouTube channels follow Evan Lazar CLNS Media our brand new shiny website it's awesome uh, yes, it's- it is it's fast. It cooks. It's pretty. Uh, Evan will have something it up cooks short. as much as Josh McDaniels should let Mac cook for the <laughs> yeah, rest of the season. Yeah, it's good. So please support our site, uh, you know, and uh, subscribe to all of our uh, YouTube channels. Follow Evan Lazar on Twitter. Follow Patriot CLNS. Uh, we will be going live, uh, of course, after every game. Uh, so next week we've got Houston. Uh, and then Evan's going to be doing his uh, – uh, Post-game breakdowns on Patriots beat coming up on Tuesday, I believe, after he gets Correct. a chance to look at some film. So make sure you look out for that. We'll have much more coverage on the Patriots again tomorrow. Patriots lose 19-17. Tom Brady does not come in and embarrass Bill Belichick and co. Uh, he gets a little bit of love from the fans, a little bit of love from Bill, and that's it. See you later, Tom. That's That's, you know. What have you done for me lately? I'm, I'm in a weird way kind of glad that this game is over, to be honest with you, so yeah. that we can actually just go back to worrying about what's going on here. And uh, I agree with what you just said wholeheartedly, that this could have been a Brady beatdown, and we could have had Brady-Brady chance at the end of this game, and we could have had the people in the Bucks jerseys you know, close out the game with the chance and, and being the main people in the stadium or the, the big group in the stadium. And although Belichick uh, was distraught at the post-game podium, to be honest with you, I think he thought that kick was in, and I think a lot of people thought that kick was in. So I, he was upset. There's no doubt about that. A part of him has to feel like, my game plan worked. My defense, Phew, yes. right? My defense worked. I coached a really good game. Uh, we were really, really close with the rookie quarterback to beating the defending champs with the greatest quarterback of all time. That felt like Bill and McDaniel's. They they got A's. They needed today. it. They, they got A's it. today. They just well, they did. Yeah. You go for it on fourth down next time. But fair enough. Just, just a minus. You can't go. You can't. You you can't play conservative twice. That's my thing with it, right? I I don't mind going kicking the field goal there at the end, but you can't punt it before the half and kick the field goal at the end. One of those plays has to be aggressive. One of those plays has to be a little bit of a gutsy call. Can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, Evan, look, we said this all week. We weren't into the hype. I, I felt like the Brady stuff was. We we'd done this for 18 months already. He was gone. We've done the Brady. Brady left stuff already. So, you know, again, I think it was pretty clear this game was as, 
was more about the Patriots than it was about Tom Brady at the end. And the reason people are pissed off right now is the Patriots could have, should have won a game uh, and they ended up not. So uh, one in three uh, Houston next week, uh, keep it with us at CLNS all week long for coverage leading up to the big Houston Texans game. Uh, we're going to hype the hell out of it. Need to be a blowout. Yeah. You need some, it, look, th- this is exactly right. Like, It'll feel good, right, to go out there and put up 30 points, I hope, assuming they can. I don't know if they can, but it would be nice. So carry it over. Start to open things up. You know, like, let's let's get a blowout under our belts. That'll feel good. So, uh, you know, hopefully this is exactly what the Patriots need now to get back. Um, but like I said, uh, check out CLNS Media. Evan will have stuff coming up. Uh, on the game all night and into tomorrow and uh, we will have more stuff on our network for you uh, throughout the week good night everybody